Welcome to the Dad Bod Pod. I'm your host, Jamie Schleicher, and with me is our week one champion, Caleb Fleming. Caleb, welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me back again. I feel like I'm becoming a bit of a regular. Yeah, great great to have you. Always good to have the insights. Oh, the co-host is knocking on the door. What is happening in here? Say, <laughs> say that into the mic. What is happening in here? Who are you talking to? Oh, this is fantastic. Matt, how's it going? I can't hear what you're saying. Say that again. Uh, I said, Matt, how's it going? Caleb, I'm great. You guys are having a pod in here without me at 8 o'clock in the morning? Did Jamie not tell you we were going to record? No. He's given uh, up on me. I'll let you guys sort that out. It sounds like, Jamie, it sounds like you need to just switch the uh, your microphone to be your computer so that I can talk to both of you and then hear the back and forth from the tension I create. I have to prep for a meeting. He's busy. He's not actually here. <laughs> don't worry. I want to come yeah. back. I'm coming back. He says he's coming back. We just it's, don't know when it, or where. <laughs> I, I can hear him in the background, which is, it's, it really is fantastic. Um, <laughs> I love it. So great. So with that, I think I'm officially the new co-host. You're the and new co-host. We have very Matt can't hear me to refute that, so that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, we have very strict co-host requirements. You can miss up to 95% of our episodes. And you just have to show up sometimes. That sounds like the kind of requirements I can do. And it also sounds like something Matt may have just gone over and eliminated himself from. So <laughs> Cool. Well, let's let's get into it. We are we're short on time thanks to technical difficulties, and uh, I imagine at some point today you probably need to work or something. Um, my daughter's napping now. We'll eventually wake up from that nap, and I'll regret the five minutes I spent explaining that and not talking on the pod. Yeah, let's get into it. Uh, Caleb's corner. What do you have for us? Yeah. So. I'm a huge fan of using really small sample sizes to extrapolate bigger trends. And so what I was curious about when I was preparing for this pod was what kind of insights we could put together thinking about the, the, the likelihood or the, I guess, the predictability of week one relative to your final end of season ranking. And some of the interesting things that I found, uh, so we'll call these way too early uh, predictions or insights, I guess. Uh, the eventual league winner for the Dad Bod League has never lost their week one matchup. And we've actually only had one last place finisher ever win their week one matchup. And that was me in 2017, which um, is fun because it allows me to hear the first stat that I gave and then immediately be brought back down to earth by the second one. So if you if you won this week, then you should feel pretty good because it means you you have a chance. The history is with you, um, and if you lost, uh, you should feel uh, not just like you might not have a chance at winning the league, but also like you could be destined for twelfth place. Um, two other notes in the same vein: so seventy percent of our uh, our bottom tier finishers, so eleventh or twelfth in the last five seasons, have lost week one and 70% of the, the top two have won in week one. So 
you it's it's really probably not a good idea to um, <laughs> to assume that whatever happened in week one will happen for the rest of the season. But if you if you really want to read the tea leaves and make an, an assessment based on how you did this week, uh, let that be your guide. If you won, you still have a chance, and if you lost, you might as well let the randomness take over. Um, one other thing that I looked up after a question from Zach of if we could use average draft grade or just an individual's draft grade to predict final ranking or overall success on the season, and the answer is no, that draft grade is not particularly predictive of either your final end of season ranking or of the average number of points per week that your team will field on a given season. Uh, what I actually found is that in looking at the last handful of years, which is exactly how many years we've had in our league, uh, in 2018, Cody had a, a draft grade of D and he finished in second. Uh, this past year in 2019, Seth, I believe actually had a draft grade of A and then finished in 12. So those are, you know, obviously just two, it's an even smaller sampled subset of a pretty small sample. Um, but what we really find is that that draft grade, by the time we get to like week 15 or week 16, I guess, um, it ends up having not really been that significant. So I think it's probably just more gimmicky than anything else. And, uh, a way for us to to come to way too early conclusions. And I think that makes intuitive sense to me when you think of teams that actually end up winning the championship. Normally they have at least one player come out of nowhere, whether that's an injury that leaves the door open for someone like James Conner or um, you know someone who's just explosive down the line. Um, you know, these, these are guys that you probably didn't get a good grade for drafting, but if you got lucky enough to hit on them, um, especially later in the season that, that can make all the difference in a championship run. Yeah, exactly. It, there's such a huge unpredictability component or, and I'm willing to concede even to not just say that it's total randomness, but being able to make the right uh, pickup at the right time can have a huge impact on your finish so there's still much to be played for though it is still also random and at the same time week one will determine your final ranking does that all make sense it does what i took away from it and let me know if i'm summarizing this incorrectly is that i still have a chance to finish in first and mm -hmm. there's a high likelihood that seth will come in last i think that that is a fantastic summary so that's it for my love quarter it. for this week. Love the insights. Um, if there's anything I love, it's making way too early predictions and just rolling with it. So thanks for thanks for pulling that. Yeah. It was also it was an exciting slate of games this week, um, especially with the matchups in the league. A lot of them were close kind of toss-ups that came down to that last game. Um, and starting off with Seth and I, uh, a lot of history between the two of us and in, in our years in the league, and one of my most bitter rivals, if there's anybody I hate losing to, it's, it's Seth. Um, yeah, so going into this week, Jamie, you had won four of your seven total matchups against Seth. So now it's 
obviously five of eight, but I, I would say that, you know, just from a data standpoint has good potential for a rivalry. Yeah. And then outside of data, you know, at, at a certain point I called him uh, grossly incompetent, criminally negligent or a cheater. So, you know, there's also some, some non-data driven reasons that, that have also led to this rivalry. Right. The emotion is perhaps even stronger than the data here. It is. Um, but, you know, there's also, there's some love there. Seth is also basically a co-host. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been a tri-host at, at different points in the past. So um, all all in good fun. But yeah, I beat Seth. And it was it was a kind of a crazy matchup. Um, we both had a couple players who just went off. Um, basically, Adam Thielen and Devontae Adams in the same game just caught a ton of pets passes and scored a lot of touchdowns then he got some garbage time points from tom brady that kept him close and then he swapped out basically three players at the end bet heavy on tennessee uh with johnny smith at tight end gostowski at um kicker and tennessee as his defense and I needed them to score less than 22 points to, to hold on Monday night. And Gaskowski missed four kicks, three field goals, one extra point, and I win by less than three. So not only was it a good victory for me, it was a painful loss for Seth in humiliating kicker fashion. So, <laughs> Yeah, one other thing that I want to say about Seth is that he's at times put the entirety of the league culture on his back with his engagement in group me with his, um, is he a two time champion or just one? Uh, I believe one. I'm okay. not, I'm not giving him a second title. Okay. Steven yeah. is, Steven is the only person in my mind who has repeated as champion in this league. Right. So he's a former champion, a former 12th place finisher. There's just, you know, he's a, he's complex. There's a lot there. And, I'm excited about this rivalry in part because um, because of all of that, because of how how strong he how strongly he engages with the league. But then also, uh, you obviously have this platform where um, you could release pods whenever you want and always get the last word in. So uh, I, I really like the explosive dynamic that that creates. And then of course, with him being the the third or fourth now that I've become a co-host as well, um, with him in that role too, we get that kind of head-to-head tension too. So. I love it. I'm a big fan of this, and we'll we'll keep stoking this fire wherever I can. What do you think Just about the stoke. decision that he made though to go to go all in on Tennessee on Monday night? Well, it clearly, paid off, and it it should have really. If I mean, I you would have been crazy to bet against Guskowski to you know to miss three field goals and an extra point, <laughs> and he he really just needed one of those back, right? One of those field goals. Yeah, one of those field goals uh, completely changes the game. The the other moves, um, the defense, I think he lost a point on that. So basically a wash there. And then Johnny Smith got that late touchdown and almost made him look like a genius. Um, but luckily it led to heartbreak. So mm-hmm. were they the right moves? Probably yes. Did they work out? Not at all. So... 
you know, hoping for more overthinking from Seth in, in week two. Yeah, I can't wait. Let's also do, so let's, let's talk about for your team and for Seth. Do you think that after week one, you have, you guys have reason to be hopeful or reason to be uh, fearful or apprehensive about the rest of the year? Let's keep up with the way too early theme. Yeah, way too early theme. Um, Josh Allen looks like, you know, could be in the MVP conversation. Is he going to win? No, but uh, (laughs) he put up a ton of points against a bad Jets team, and he plays a bad Miami team next week. So if he can keep that going, great. I think the other positive signs for me, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, looked explosive in his first game leads the league in rushing yards right now and if he starts getting involved in the screen game and starts catching passes a lot of excitement there for my first round pick um on my bench i've got benny snell uh james connor went out of the game last week um so we'll, we'll see what what happens there and then zach moss um looked good in his rookie debut caught a touchdown pass from josh allen um, and he was forced to start because Miles Sanders was hurt. Uh, the bad news is that the Eagles' offensive line looked atrocious. And as we've talked about before, I am slightly invested in the Eagles this year. Um, and Miles Sanders especially was my second round pick. Um, so I need him to come back and do some good things. But to have my second round pick um, be injured the first week and still be able to put up a, a pretty decent score i have more reason for optimism than pessimism and then what do you think about seth not as a person just yeah seth seth i think is a garbage fantasy football player and <laughs> should basically just accept his losses and not even bother filling out rosters the rest of the year um levy on bell we talked about how terrible a decision that was um you know, he he might as well let him go to the waiver wire because that's that's a lost cause. Uh, Nick Chubb, um, only 60 rushing yards, lost a fumble, and looked like he was in a true split with Kareem Hunt. So that's also concerning. Um, but then, you know, Tom Brady put up 25 points and he looked terrible. So if he bounce, bounces back, a lot of room for upside there. Devontae's mm-hmm. Devontae. Uh, Will Fuller looks like he could have a good year. And then he he had a lot of um, points on his bench. So definitely some upside there, but major question marks at running back. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I will be really curious to see how that position shakes out for, for Seth specifically. Although I will also say that looking at this, looking at his starting lineup, can you imagine what this team would have done in 2018? <laughs> that that's the theme of a, a couple teams yeah let's move on to the next matchup um how about we talk let's talk about matt and travis so for those two owners this came up in the group meet but all time uh, i think we said that matt has actually won five out of six so now six out of seven against travis so there's it's it's a rivalry but it's pretty one-sided I know they're also, I think they're pretty good friends, right? Yeah. Is Matt within earshot, or could you break that down for me right now? No, yeah. He can kind of hear me. He can't hear you. Um, 
I'd, I would say there's some mentor vibes there with with those two. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, so when... both owners, or both teams underperformed relative to the Yahoo projections, at least. And I, I think if we if we actually looked kind of line by line at their lineups for Matt, I mean, I, I imagine he hoped for more from James Conner. Uh, Chris Carson gave him far more than anyone reasonably could have expected. Um, but the rest of it, I mean, it, it looks like, I hate to say this, but Connor aside, Matt had a, a pretty solid week and I would expect more from Dak, right, in future weeks. So yep. I could, I still see that like big play potential on Matt's roster that concerns me a little bit going forward. But for the most part, well, no, no, for the most part. I'll let you go with this one. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. You got what you expected out of CMC. Uh, you got yeah, what you hoped for. He's 30 every week. <laughs> it's just nothing changed there on his side. Um, you got what you hoped for out of Chris Carson, and Seattle as a whole just looked dominant against Atlanta. Um, so a lot of room for hope there. I think Robert Woods and Diggs um, both kind of flashed some of their potential, so they didn't put up mm-hmm. huge weeks, but you saw encouraging signs. And then um, Connor and Dak were, were the two disappointments this week. Um, Connor will have to see what the injury looks like, um, but Dak expect the Cowboys and their offense to to figure things out, to get more aggressive and, and put up some big point totals down the line. Um, but then he's also got Jarek McKinnon on his bench who uh, scored a touchdown and, and looked good in his return to football. Um, mm-hmm. And Joe Burrow looked looked good and since he um, almost had a touchdown to A.J. Green. So if he stays healthy, there's some potential there as well. So he's got a couple studs up top and then some in, intriguing points on his bench. Yeah, and let's what, jump over to Travis. What you, who's, yeah, what do you think ahead. about Trav? So I, I, I'm trying to remember if this came up in the post-draft pod. I don't see a lot of players on his team that, that really feel threatening or that would scare me week to week. Um, but even with that, it looks like they, or it seems that they unperformed, underperformed. I mean, their, their only real surprise for him, I guess, was I wouldn't have expected that from the the tight end position to go double the projections uh but i mean everyone else was uh was was down a little bit i think that drew Brees, so he had 160 passing yards and two touchdowns uh, i wonder how much he has left how many big games he really has in him um just thinking back to the last couple of years that tampa bay matchup i would have expected uh, him to just really blow up um I think Terry Hill has too many weapons around him to really be reliable every week or to be reliable for putting up big points every week. Uh, Chicago quarterback situation is pretty garbage. So I I wouldn't expect a lot there. That's actually probably overperforming for what I would hope for week to week. Um, And then, yeah, there's just a, I, I could see this team. I mean, he's, I don't think it's a bad team. I just don't see a lot of big play potential or big point potential. And I think you need a couple of those guys to really 
um, have a chance at the end of the year. So I would be, I think I would be concerned if I were Travis specifically thinking about, um, well, Drew Brees is, would probably be the biggest question mark for me right now, even though we know that position uh, has not a lot of variability from a, like a, an average to an above average quarterback. I still think that that is concerning because I would, I would really want maybe like five more points out of that to feel decent at all. Yeah, I could see Trav making a, a move at quarterback this week, um, but I agree with the the overall thought process there. Um, a lot of and there's not really anything on his bench players. either. <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of good football players on his team. Not mm-hmm. a lot of guys who scare me from a fantasy perspective. Right. But who knows? Maybe Hill, Robinson, and DJ Moore all go off next week, and our week one assessment is way off. Yeah, I can't wait to come back in a week from now and reveal how little I know <laughs> and what an idiot yeah. I am. <laughs> because that's, everything that's we told you last week is wrong. Yeah, uh, that's the that's the best part. So okay. Yeah, matchup number three. This was the closest we got to a rename this week. Um, mm-hmm. That is to say, not very close. Um, but Steven uh, beat our returner, Drew, um, 124 to 93. And yeah, what do you think here? So all-time series, Steven has never lost to Drew. This was his sixth consecutive, sixth win all-time. So... I would say this is a result that we probably expected. Steven's team came in at less than a point away from the Yahoo projection and Drew underperformed a little bit. I think this this sort of it, it kind of feels like what we yeah, what what we expected to happen sort of did happen. If I were Steven, I would be concerned about um, so running back position for him, I think, is a, is a question mark. And I know it, it sounds kind of crazy to say that with Ingram and Kamara, but uh, I feel that Ingram is so is going to be touchdown dependent this whole season, and there I think are just going to be weeks where he ends up with three scores and then another week where he has 29 rushing yards and uh, nothing else and ends up stuck in a committee. Um, I think that he should feel great about uh, Matt Ryan, a quarterback. I think he's just a gunslinger, and he has really great weapons, so I, I would expect big things from him all year. Um, and I, I guess, yeah, with Kamara, the thing that I would say is sort of the same as with Ingram, where there's a few other weapons, and they he is not going to be guaranteed to see a lot of carries, especially not around the goal line. And so... Um, he just becomes a, a huge, very a huge wild card for me with with needing those scores to have any kind of uh, decent point total for the week. So this week it, it was fine. He put up twenty one points. That's fantastic. Uh, I think there are going to be weeks where he's uh, less than ten because he just doesn't see a lot of looks. Yeah, and he he's had a third. He had he had a third touchdown come off the board right at the end of the game too. So. Uh, yeah, just explosive, huge playability. Just got a huge extension, so locked up contract-wise. Um, but yeah, I I think Steven's team is just solid overall. The one weak spot, like you said, is Ingram. The rookie, J.K. Dobbins, got um, the goal line work this week, and we'll see if that was just a, a game script thing or if that kind of continues to be a trend throughout the year. Um, 
and then Devonte Parker also got hurt, had a hamstring issue, a lot of soft muscle tissue, soft muscle tissue issues this week, um, with those hamstrings and quads and and injuries, kind of just a more of a wild card this year than I think they've been in past years. So those are the the two concerning spots for me. Um, but yeah, Matt Ryan, Juju, Kamara, Kelsey. Like that's a, a strong nucleus and expect more weeks of 120 plus points for, for Steven in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and then what do you think about, so for Drew, we joked about this earlier, but Julio, fantastic game, no touchdowns, um, still put up a lot of points. He, Joe Mixon underperformed a little bit, which I, I feel like I, Joe Mixon is my perception is that he's pretty overrated. Is that a crazy thing to say? I don't feel like I've, I've seen much from him. No, I don't think it's a crazy thing to say. I, I'm i still optimistic, and I think from what the highlights I saw of the Bengals game that Burrow at quarterback just gives them more dynamism than they've had in recent years. Um, so I'm, I, I could see Mixon, Mixon having a big year um, and just kind of one of those running backs that had a bad week one, like a mm-hmm. lot of other running backs, he really wasn't a factor in the passing game this week. And I, I think that was just a trend throughout the NFL this week of a lot of vanilla game plans coming out, not wanting to beat yourself. Um, so I, I expect him to get more passing work in, in the future and um, could see him contending in, in the top 10 when it comes to overall rushing yards. So I'm, um, I'm still optimistic on Mixon. And then he's also got uh, Jonathan Taylor, who was kind of in that timeshare with Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack gets injured. He's out for the year. And Jonathan Taylor um, did get a lot of involvement, six receptions this week. So Mm -hmm. he's one of those guys, just a physical specimen in in the Saquon Barkley mold, um, that Drew's got a potential league winner on his hand if he, he sees a jump in in work especially around the goal line yeah taylor i'm i'm excited to see what he does as the starter in indianapolis i mean at at wisconsin he broke almost every record and the ones that he didn't break are held by ron dane who played for four years and (laughs) was an incredible back there so i think that he has such a, a huge upside and to see one of the things that was a critique at wisconsin i think especially for his last two years was that he wasn't a great pass catcher uh, and so to see him already have um have improved upon that and to in his first game have six receptions for 70 yards would give me a lot of reason to hope uh, if i were drew i think that there's a lot of a lot of potential there especially now that he's not quite in that committee anymore yep and then the browns gave cream hunt a two-year extension and a lot of work he had more rushing yards this week than Nick Chubb. So um, I think, you know, despite underperforming and the loss that, that Drew definitely has reasons for optimism coming out of week one. What do you think about rivalry potential here? Uh, I think that's tough because it's never, maybe it's sort of similar to, to Sean and Robert where even though it's historically been quite one-sided, maybe that makes the rivalry a little bit stronger. Uh, we'll need to hit, we'll need to get one of these guys on the pod to weigh in on their personal relationship. I need to know um, 
I need to know if they're close in real life, if they're like hanging out and talking about fantasy football or maybe something else. Yeah, we know the trash talk isn't happening in the group me, but yeah, maybe it's it's happening in in text messages. Yeah, maybe uh, there's a side conversation where there. they're just trashing everyone else. Yeah, maybe their kids play little league baseball against each other. I don't know. I can see it. I'm I'm saying sneaky sneaky rivalry potential here. Yeah, uh, I like that. What do you what do you think about Malcolm Brown and his huge week on Drew's bench? Um, you love to see it. Anytime you can get 20 points on your bench, that's that's a dream. Um, I do think LA is just going to be a hot hand approach, and I I think there's good things to say about Brown, Acres, and Henderson. So it's it's a messy backfield right now. Um, I think Brown is the hot hand. I don't know how long he'll be the hot hand, but just kind of have to let that one play out yeah i actually i think i recall overpaying for him on the wire last year i think i used a good bit of my my budget after he had a two touchdown week and then i'm pretty sure he didn't find the end zone again so it's it's exciting to see that i i do agree that it's a hot hand situation we'll see we'll see if there's any like if that if that happens again or if it's just going to shift around (laughs) Let's, uh, let's hop over to Sean and Robert now. So we just talked about, we talked a little bit about rivalries. This was a, this is a fun one. Sean actually won the first matchup ever against the, them. He won for the first time ever against Robert. So um, starting to right the ship maybe, or maybe it was a fluke. What do you think? So I think Robert, little self-inflicted here. Melvin Gordon, 14 points on his bench. Uh, fourth round pick, if you slot him in over Tariq Cohen, who he took in the ninth. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're we're not talking about Sean making history. We're talking about Robert continuing the streak. So I, I think this was some classic fantasy football overthinking and a little, little disappointing, a little unlucky for Robert. Yeah, I I agree. I think I I would I want to hear his explanation for why why he kept Gordon on the bench, especially with Cohen in there. Uh, I yeah, I didn't hear any of the hype for any offensive player in Chicago, <laughs> and so I'm I'm surprised to see that. But uh, maybe there's something. Maybe he missed something that I don't, or at the very least, maybe he read something that I didn't. Well, David Montgomery was injured leading up to the game, um, but then mm-hmm. practiced more week of and did end up playing. So I think especially with him in the mix, um, I wouldn't have started Cohen. But before he was announced as playing, um, you know, I think there was definitely a little bit of buzz around Cohen potentially getting a lot of receiving work in a game that they were expected to lose, um, needing to pass a lot. So... And we expected think, Gordon to split carries with Philip Lindsay too, at least a little yep. bit, right? He certainly wasn't yep. going to be the a workhorse in that backfield. Yeah, that was that was the talk coming out of training camp is that it would be um, close to a fifty fifty split um, in the second half. Philip Lindsay um, comes out with with an injury, and Gordon kind of 
dominates touches from mm -hmm. from then on. Um, so I definitely expect to see him back in in Robert's lineup next week. Um, but yeah, I, I made a similar move, uh, swapping out a, a fourth round pick for a ninth round pick who I thought had some higher ceiling potential, and I only lost a point out of it and hung on for the W. But could have been in Robert's shoes, kicking myself over over overthinking it. What do you think about his his outlook moving forward? I actually I, I like his team a lot. I see a lot of potential there and a lot of guys that I would be that I would fear on a, a week to week basis. Like looking at um, Mike Evans being uh, healthy again and in his lineup would be would be a big shift. Um, Melvin Gordon now potentially being the lead back in Denver uh, and getting line share carries would be pretty big. Uh, I, I just see a lot of a lot of potential there. But not yeah. a lot of depth after this either. So And Lamar Jackson completed eighty percent of his passes yesterday. Uh it's possible Lamar got even better than last year. So yeah. I I wouldn't want to bet against Lamar Jackson and not looking forward to playing against Robert's team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, similar to last year, right, where a lot of his success is going to be tied to the Ravens, and that might not be such a bad thing if yeah. if Lamar Jackson is their quarterback. Uh, and what about Sean? Sean, um, I mean, story of week one is the Seahawks let Russ cook, and he cooked four passing mm -hmm. touchdowns, over 300 passing yards, 30 rushing yards, um, you know, I think QB won this week. Um, if not, definitely a top five performance. So you love to see that. Um, his wide receiver position underperformed, and I think he's he'll be concerned if, if Brady doesn't pick it up a little bit. Um, but out of all the wide receivers there, uh, the chemistry with Godwin looked, looked the best. Um, Sterling Shepard did some good things against a really tough Pittsburgh defense. Um, and then Kenny Galladay, um, another second round pick that, that got injured and didn't play this week, but hopefully he'll come back. Um, but then, yeah, I, I think you have to love what you saw out of David Johnson, um, 18 points for him, a lot of reason for optimism there. Um, but I think the story is that the, the backup running back play didn't work out week one yet. So we'll have to see how, how that strategy works out for him. Yeah, I, you and I have gone back and forth a little bit on that strategy specifically. And I think that you're absolutely right that for week one, it didn't pan out. But I, I think he, I'm willing to give him uh, until, the, until the first bye week to really see if this was a success or not. Because with all of the, the injuries that we've already seen, it just wouldn't surprise me for one of these guys to take over as a lead back and have a lot of potential. So we'll see. I'm not, I'm not out yet, but I'm a little bit less high on this than I was when we did the, the post-draft recap and I was a pretty staunch defender of it. Um, another thing that I said in that pod, though, was that David Johnson was uh, pretty high risk based on his age and last few seasons. Um, and he had a fantastic week one. So, you know, putting my foot in my mouth on that one already. 
Yeah, I think it was really interesting that the strategy was kind of proved out to be a good strategy with the number of running back injuries this week. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a little unlucky for Sean that, um, you know, the guys that he stashed, there weren't really injuries ahead of them. Uh, so right. he picked the wrong guys. Uh, in Detroit, Adrian Peterson got signed. So DeAndre Swift is in an even more muddled backfield than he was at the beginning of the year. And then two of the backup stashes that he had in Duke Johnson and Justin Jackson uh, were actually guys that got hurt themselves. So, um, you know, just a little bit of cosmic humor there. Um, right. And, and in some ways, interesting it feels to like see what he does on the waiver wire. If he, keep, you mean if he sticks with the strategy for another couple of weeks, or if he starts to divest from that position? Yeah, I I could see him making plays for. Um, some wide receivers and tight ends that that popped a little bit this week. So mm-hmm. interested to see if he continues to stockpile running backs or if he starts trying to strengthen his bench a little bit, add some depth. Speaking of Adrian Peterson from a moment ago, let's move on to that that matchup. He was on the bench for Zach, I believe, against myself. Correct. Uh, let me. I want to hear your thoughts first before I do some self-deprecating reflection on uh, my team, which had the most points this week, but uh, still gives me pause. So I, I think you came out strong and proved the haters wrong um, by sticking with Aaron Rodgers. He was someone that we, we pretty much unanimously blasted in the, the post-draft recap and. You you decided to roll with him, and he put up almost forty points. So mm-hmm. you were right. We're all dumb. Um, you know, week one. We'll we'll see if if that trend <laughs> continues or not. But you you love to see it, and that was that's that's what I would say was the difference in in the matchup this week. I think this is going to, I'm hoping that this is going to be a real FE season for Rodgers. Uh, coming off of, of last year, having a, a quarterback drafted, having um, people saying that he's, you know, pretty much done. I would love to see him just put up huge numbers. Not not solely because he's my fantasy football quarterback, but uh, also because he's a fun guy to root for. So, love to see that. Yeah. Uh, your team. Your team is just scary to me. Um, you started McCole Hardman. Why? Nobody knows. <laughs> that, that was that was probably the most amateur move uh, this week, aside from starting Tariq Cohen and me starting Deshaun Jackson. Um, but yeah, he got you one point, and you still put up the highest score in the league by 10 points. Tough break for Zach, scoring the second most points in the league and sitting in seventh place right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think... Raheem Mostert looks like he he was a guy that there was some concern about, you know, just the way that San Francisco uses running backs. There's a lot of mouse defeat there, and would he get enough work to justify that high of a, a pick? And the week one answer is, yep, absolutely. Um, Derrick Henry, you know, facing one of the, the tougher defenses that he'll face this year. Denver held him to, like, 40 yards last year. Um so definitely expect more monster weeks from him. 
Uh, Aaron Jones got a rushing touchdown, and you know that was kind of the question mark around him. Would he get those high value carries at the goal line? Um, and then Calvin Ridley absolutely exploded, so he looks like he could be a massive steal where you got him. Uh, a little bit of that injury concern with George Kittle, um, but assuming that he's healthy, you know, you've got another great player there. And then uh, Cortland Sutton. Um, Drew Locke looked really good for the Broncos yesterday. So if if he can get healthy, um, you know, you could have another strong wide receiver there. So to have more potential after putting up the highest score in the week um, by 10 points, I, I'm scared. And I, I think you've, you've got a strong team here. I love it. <laughs> I love to hear that. Uh, the things that concern me with this, so – um, you talked about Mostert's stat line for the week, but um, basically, so he had four receptions for 95 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and I think that, that that touchdown was was pretty long, right? Was that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I feel cautiously optimistic is going to be my team name soon. Uh, but I feel cautiously optimistic about him where uh, I, I think that that backfield splitting carries is a concern. I don't like McKinnon doing well <laughs> generally uh, for the obvious reason, but I, um, I I would love to see more of that from him, but feel pretty concerned that it's going to be boom or bust. Uh, Kittle's knee, I feel like he is just permanently questionable with that and makes me feel a little bit uneasy. Uh, same concerns with Aaron Jones for uh, is he going to keep getting goal line carries? Um, Aaron Rodgers is uh, fantastic, super fun to watch. Uh, afraid that he is on the other side of um, other side of that. Like I don't know, time waits for no one, and uh, <laughs> I I hope that he will sustain this, but feel nervous about that. Um, Ridley, I feel the most excited about. Uh, the only thing that I can say is maybe maybe Julio becomes Julio, but with touchdowns, and then Ridley just is um, pushed back into like second fiddle there. Um, but I don't know. I, that that's the the biggest stretch for me because I feel the most optimistic and excited for him. Uh, and then Hardman was a terrible decision, so we'll we'll just blow past that. Uh, I feel pretty good though. I, I feel hopeful. I think that there there's a lot of potential on this team and. Um, I think this it might be the best that I felt after week one in a while um, because it feels like a lot of these performances were um, were actually like meeting expectations and not just like super exceeding them. Yeah, I think Rodgers is really well. I mean, Rodgers and Ridley were the two that that went way above and beyond um yeah i guess so yeah fair point i guess more so what i mean is that it, it feels like within the players that concern me are the ones that like blow up way outside of the what you would deem to be like a typical a few standard deviations from like what they're capable of um rogers and ridley both feel like guys that uh, i expect to have a handful or a few at least like pretty big games in a season and then the rest right. of them I, I would expect to be a little bit above average uh, so it, it's nice to see these guys that I expect to be firing to be actually firing and not um, putting up kind of mediocre numbers. That's what that's what gives me the most concern this early on, at least. 
Absolutely. So, yeah, I won't be making any moves this week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you have any nice things to say about Zach? Uh, I empathize. I feel for Zach putting up the second most points and still losing, uh, leaving enough points on his bench, I think, to have pulled this out. Maybe not. It would have been close. But yeah, he he has a a really solid team. And um, some of that, I think, will be is lucky, right? The way that Fournette and Peterson have uh, fallen onto rosters where they can get a lot of carries. Yeah, exactly. Is uh, is really good for him. I think uh, Deshaun Watson probably had a down week relative to what he'll do the rest of the year. Uh, Eckler feels like a question mark to me. He... He he hasn't become the the back that I think he was expected to be without Melvin Gordon in the picture. Even when Gordon was hurt last year, I, I think he is. Um, I think he's good, but I'm not sure that he's as as good as we've maybe given him credit for, or for how high he was drafted this year. I'm not sold on that. I I imagine I'll eat those words later, but um, Eckler is still a question mark to me. And then. Yeah, the rest of the way. I mean, I. It's tough to say too much here because I, I just think he has a really solid team. He has, um, maybe not a lot of players that I think are, are going to, invoke fear in his opponents each week, but enough that uh, I expect him to to finish really well. Yeah, I I think the story here is. Um... DeAndre Hopkins, there was a lot of concern about him changing teams and not getting a full offseason, really getting a chance to build rapport with Kyler, and he gets 16 targets week one. So if we're, really we're making too early predictions um, in week one, it's DeAndre Hopkins is getting 16 targets every week, and he's going to continue to be the guy that he's always been. Yeah, he. I mean, Zach has a, a player at every position that has <laughs> potential to put up monster weeks. So uh, I, I would feel really good about that if I were him. Yep. And what do, what do you think about rivalry potential here? Any any trash talk uh, that you could see building up between you and Zach? So this is a fun one. I'm a, I don't think I'm a great rival because I do a lot of the self-deprecating commentary. So um, I'm pretty quick to roll over. But I, I will say that Zach and I going into this week had evenly split our all-time series. So this was our seventh game, and before it was uh, three and three. And so I've just now taken the lead on him. So uh, if it is a rivalry, Zach, I am, uh, I'm winning it for now. That was, that was a great attempt at Trash Hawk, and yeah. I will continue to stoke that rivalry fire. <laughs> Zach, your team is fantastic, but I think mine's just a little bit better, at least for now. Devastating. Maybe we'll Devastating. Uh uh, and now you have a one in six chance of winning the league, and you know Zach could be performing stand up for the second time. <laughs> time will tell. See. Last matchup of the week, we have imposter syndrome Sumner with his wild card draft, and yes, Mister Commissioner, um, you know the Trey Travis rivalry. That's that's a good one. I I could stoke that fire a little bit too. Um. But Sumner pulls this one out, three-point victory, one of our other close matchups this week. Uh, what do you what do you think here? 
Yeah, so Sumner has never lost to Trey. He's 3-0 now. Um, I think that this is a fun one for a couple of reasons, right? Both of them performed pretty well. It was a really close matchup. Uh, Sumner, I don't understand. I, I didn't understand the the draft strategy. I know that it wasn't his. It was auto-draft. It still uh, was really baffling to me, but it, it seems to be okay. <laughs> I look at uh, how his team did this week and I would feel if I were him pretty pretty good uh, I, I loved so um, as a reminder the only game I saw this week was fourth quarter Denver Tennessee um, and got to see a little bit of Judy in that at the end and he, he looks really good I think that there's a lot of potential there uh, and he was on Sumner's bench this week I think that uh, Gurley is in a tough spot with so many weapons in Atlanta, but uh, looked again. Um, I mean, he at least looked healthy, even if he's, you know, just going to be splitting some carries. Uh, Mahomes had 26 points in what felt like a down week or like a less explosive week somehow still. Yeah, um, only 200 passing yards. <laughs> right. 200 yards, three touchdowns, and I'm a little bit disappointed. So uh, I think if I'm if I'm playing Sumner, I'm afraid of a, a lot of these players putting up huge weeks. So uh, I think he, he looks pretty good and should be feeling confident. I think <laughs> I, I'm curious to hear what you think about Odell. Yeah, Led I the think... team in targets, but ended up going three receptions for 22 yards and his team was blown out. Yeah, I I think Odell is still Odell, um, but if if you're watching Baker Mayfield, you are very concerned. And mm-hmm. with the quality of running backs there, would not be surprised if they just kind of take the ball out of Baker's hands more and more. Yeah, if he's just so, like a game manager. Yeah, so I, I I think Odell will still have weeks where he does Odell things, um, but I don't think he's going to be in that 16 target range. So he doesn't have the the same type of ceiling as a Michael Thomas or DeAndre Hopkins, a Devontae. Um, I I just think you're going to see more weeks like this where he's in that three, four, five point range. Um, and then in his ceiling weeks, you're going to get in that like 20, 25 range. Mm-hmm. So that that's yeah. my concern with Odell. And then J.K. Dobbins, I think he looked really good in his rookie debut, um, but that backfield still just scares me a little bit at this point. And Sumner benefited from those two touchdowns. Um, if he doesn't get those two touchdowns, you know, he only had 20 rushing yards. So running back still a concern for me there. Um, but Sony Michelle got a little bit of run in, in new England. So maybe he can continue to patch that together. Yeah. I think those are two Sony Michelle and Dobbins are, two tough backs that you need and you're going to need touchdowns from them in order to have any meaningful points on a week. And they both are playing with quarterbacks that um, are going to score a lot of rushing touchdowns and take away some of those goal line carries. So uh, that gives me a bit of pause. Yeah, same. So, I mean, he, he pulled it out week one, but I, I do have some long-term concerns and Sumner's another one. I'm interested to see what the, how aggressive he is in the week one waiver wire. And then looking at Trey's team, I think Trey just got 
super unlucky this week. Um, when you look at the players on his team and, and losing by three, uh, mm-hmm. Michael Thomas gets injured, uh, three receptions, 17 yards. That is nowhere close to a Michael Thomas scoreline. Uh, Cooper Cup, four receptions, 40 yards. Uh, that's an underperformance for him. And then Michael Gallup, if you saw the Dallas Cowboys game, uh, Gallup should have had another catch for about 40 yards that got called back for a very ticky-tack offensive pass interference call at the end of that game. So just super unfortunate uh, for Trey, although he did get some of those boom weeks from Mark Andrews and Josh Jacobs, but definitely had the players here to to pull this one out and got a little unlucky by by Sumner's boom week. Yeah, what we've talked about before, thinking about Trey's score specifically, is that 115 to 120 points is going to win you a lot of games. So it is, I agree, it is uh, a bit unlucky. But I, I don't know. At the same time, those boom weeks that he did have are are not insignificant, you know? <laughs> yeah, three so. touchdowns for Josh Jacobs. Right. Two You're not going to get 34 years. points from him every week. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't count on that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, all, all around, it's a, I would say it's a pretty good week. I, I think that there's, he has enough question marks, but they're probably around. Um, so like for Michael Thomas, that high ankle sprain, what that injury looks like, um, what kind of sustained performance will he see from Josh Jacobs? What will, um, like, will James White keep getting carries and receptions out of the backfield? He, he has a lot of questions that, um, I think are are going to take time to answer and aren't like some of these other guys where it's like, are they a bust or not? You know, it's like, what, what will their role in the offense actually look like and what can we expect each week from them? So I don't, I don't know. He, he feels the least certain to me. I could see, I could absolutely see Trey having a, a really good season still, even with this opening week loss. Yeah, Trey, Trey is one of these really interesting teams. Um, yeah, I think the injury question marks with Michael Thomas and then on his bench, Philip Lindsay got hurt. Um, mm-hmm. He also had Blake Jarwin, who's out for the season now with a torn ACL. Um, so those are question marks. And then at running back, he has Naheem Hines, who scored two touchdowns, 24 points on his bench with Marlon Mack out of the picture in Indianapolis. Um, a lot of potential there that mm-hmm. Naeem Hines could be more fantasy relevant with a quarterback like Phillip Rivers, who just likes to throw to his running backs as much as he does. So I think a, a very intriguing team, and we'll see what Trey does as the season goes on. Yeah. What do you think about so, sneaky rivalry potential here? I can I, see it. Never... Both of these guys seem like wild cards to me. This is going to have to be one of those rivalries, though, where you only really see it where they're in person in the same room. Uh, and then I, then I could see what I think you're describing. Then I could see some, some really good rivalry potential. But for right now, it's, it's hard. Sumner's not even in the group me. Trey hasn't logged in in over a year. I don't know if they'll listen to this podcast or hear us talking about him at all. So um, I'm not sure. Maybe he'll log in and say something inflammatory about about Sumner and, and really stoke it for us. Or an email. You know, Sean Sean dropped a good good email last year. I could see these guys uh 
fostering a rivalry via via the official league communication channel. Yeah, I that would be a nice change. I, I could I could dig that. I'm not gonna rule it out. I could see it. So at the end of week one is behind us now. We have everybody's got the jitters out. We're all excited about football being back. Give me your informal we won't call it tiers of fears because I think Matt has a trademark on that. Give me the top three teams that uh, you feel have the most potential to win the league. And then give me the, the three most likely to finish last. Um, I'll give I'll give you the number one spot. Thanks. And this then, expedition, so I appreciate that. Yeah, I, it was it was obvious, but <laughs> I'm I'm a benevolent host, so I'll I'll give you that, even Perfect. though you're fishing yeah, for it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll, I'll I'll give you number one, and then number two. Do I mix it up here? Do I just go based off points? You know what? I'll give it to Steven. Uh, put a little respect on his name. He's a two-time champ. Steven's number two, and then I'm putting myself in that third spot. I like my team. Uh, did just enough to to get past Seth this week, and nowhere to go but up and then for our three last place finishers uh sorry trav but your team is trash so <laughs> travis is down there and then i'm gonna say gonna say drew um and then rounding it out i think we all know who it is it's an obvious pick it's seth <laughs> yeah is that for the rivalry or do you really feel that way it's 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 a lot a of things bit of it's who's who we don't have the time we're running out of time so i can't go through all of the reasons <laughs> it's going to be seth but short story it's seth i don't think i don't think seth and travis are finishing at the bottom two years in a row or is travis than, is it, where did travis finish last year do you recall uh, I think Travis was 11th. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think they'll finish there again at the the basement of the league. But I, I think otherwise, I, I agree. I'm less, again, I'm less high on my own team as you might be. And I think Zach will, uh, will be up there near the end. And I think this could be Sean's year too, even with his current bench situation. But these are more, I'm making assessments based more on uh, owner than I am roster, I think. So, so that's a good place to call it. Where <laughs> not really saying anything. We're out of things to say, except for go falling well. Falling well. Cause baby, now we can't-